0: This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and the resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Now it's time to enter into a world of innovation, a world of human struggles, heartbreak, and achievement. And most of all, a world of wonder. Welcome. To CT Startup. All right, so Frieden, Friedenberg. All right, it's a lot easier than some of the other ones we've done. Um, <laughs> all right. Welcome to the CT Startup Podcast, an inside perspective on the startup ecosystem in the great state of Connecticut. I'm your co host, Eric Francis from Trifecta Ecosystems.
1: I'm Dave Bernard from Martha, Carolina. Chris DeMaro from Sublime Exposure Online.
0: And we are uh, here today on a little kind of a gloomy day up in here in Hartford um, with Candace Friedenberg from U Potential. Oh, oh, untapped potential. Sorry, I was doing upotential.org. But uh, Candace, how are you doing today?
2: I'm well. Thanks for mm-hmm. having me. By nice. the way, the, the
3: gloomy, yes, gloomy reference has nothing to do with <laughs> you. Yes. And I again, I, that. I
0: She it. is a ray <laughs> of sunshine. Yeah. I was looking out. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's not gloomy to be untapped, right? <laughs> All right. Um, untapped potential. What 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 is that? What what do we going got going on?
2: Uh, untapped potential is a social enterprise that impacts the wage gap diversity, and particularly the motherhood penalty. Um, We curate on two sides of our model. We curate both candidates, high educated women that uh, had five to seven years' experience and opted out to raise their children and are ready to return to the workplace in a flexible way. At the same time with businesses, we bring that high-caliber talent able to work in a flexible way in project or resource-based roles, mid-career internships. In the end, it helps return women to the pipeline for senior roles, keeping their skills sharp during their opt-out years.
0: All right. So, uh, so we're talking about, you know, obviously families. We're talking about, you know, how how being family oriented maybe it may affect the the career potential of, mm-hmm. of somebody, right? Mm-hmm. So, h- how many mothers are there that you're talking about right now?
2: Um, well, um, uh, in the workforce, um, I think it's the uh, workforce 2020 highlights that 30% of the workforce. Um, opts out. Women fi- women make up fifty one percent of that workforce, and thirty percent opt out. So I think those numbers are around thirty million. And um, then then of those that um, are um, of the demographic we're looking at is more like about three, ma- 3 million. Ten percent of them might be ready to take on a flex return engagement and get back to the workforce.
3: Talk about untapped potential. Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> that is that is great.
2: And and all of those in that larger number are struggling. More male or female, it may be the male that opts out as well, and um, but they're, they're struggling with how to manage um, the demands of home care, child care, and the demands of the all-inclusive um, all work life, and um, some opt out cold turkey, and Um, Today, in this day and age, there's many ways where they can add value to the workforce to keep their skills sharp, and we try to make that match for them so that they are more marketable when they're ready to return on a full time basis.
3: And and just to be clear, there's a lot of reasons people could opt out, right? Because I Mm -hmm. I know of of personally, and people here at at our firm, where people have uh, opted out to take time for for, you know not just for uh, raising a child, but for family medical reasons, Mm -hmm. um, a sick parent.
2: Yes, yeah. and um, I- m- many women are in that same with generation where just when they think they're ready to go back oh, yeah. where their kids are ready to um, be in junior high school middle mm-hmm. school at the same time their parents become ill. So there's that um, responsibility. But also we have women in our um, talent pool that... Um, opted out to pursue a passion Mm -hmm. they were an opera singer and they um, developed a skill to support them from a career perspective but they only have a a certain amount of time where they can continue that career and they want to do it in a more um, part-time way put dedicate time to it and their all-inclusive 70-hour week job didn't enable that Mm -hmm. so they've stepped out and we've been able to cultivate opportunities for them that are 20 to 30 hours a week where they can add value in a similar capacity
0: Nice, nice. So so obviously, this is a, a new thing. You, you know, we were just talking uh, before we started recording about how it's uh, recently, 2016, right, was when you kind of did the MVP and got mm-hmm. the first people uh, kind of recruited. So is this something that you've always been done? Or, or have you been a recruiter by trade? Or what, what, what was this? Because I mean, <laughs> like, managing that process. I mean, I know recruiters and like, it, it, they're, di- they're a different breed. They, uh-huh. they, you know, they can manage people to get them to, to where they need to be. So
2: it's uh, interesting. Um, I uh, am an engineer um, in in the field of optical sciences, um, lasers and things of that nature. And I had a career at IBM and Eastman Kodak um, in really entrepreneurism within those big companies. So bringing to market new technologies um, and at the forefront of of many different technologies. So I had kind of the entrepreneurial bent. um, And from a, um, no, I wasn't a recruiter but I always... um, It was okay. It was a long answer to (laughs) say no. Yeah, no, no. But I've mentored women, mentored women in project management and also was um, often involved in workplace change. I pioneered telecommuting in 1992 in the time frame, aging myself, but of prodigy and um, really... did an organizational behavior pitch to IBM of how this can add value and really it's management that needs to change as far Mm -hmm. as managing by objective versus by seeing someone by the water cooler and influenced that path forward. So it's kind of a mix of skills but not skills that I had (laughs) from –
0: but you're an engineer, so <laughs> yes. you can. There's, there's a problem, you find a way to solve it, right? Yes. I mean,
2: and and one of my candidates said, "You're engineering social change for women in in this flexible work environment, and and work is going in many ways to flexibility with um, the contingent workforce and the rise of the contingent.
0: Yeah. Well, workforce. the gig economy, right? Yes. I mean, I mean, yep. I don't know the exact number about it, but we can probably you know pull it up. Is that the fact of the matter is that. You're coming out of school. You're going to have, what, 10 jobs and mm-hmm. you're, you know, maybe even more by the time you're 40. Um, that, that wasn't the same with my, you know, my parents' generation or the, the generation before that. So it's it's something where, I mean, again, I'm an, maybe an entrepreneur because I don't think I could be uh, uh, dedicated to a company for 10, 15, 20 years unless <laughs> it's my own. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so, so we're obviously going towards that too, right?
2: Yeah, and a lot of the drivers that are from the millennials driving change. We want to bring to the attention of this demographic that work's change. It's not as it was, and you, not only because technology has changed, but also um, the gig economy, that there's ways to engage and keep your skills sharp during these opt-out years, and um, the fact that technology enables things to be omnipresent. You can really work from uh, many places and deliver for your family and deliver for a business. hmm
0: Nice. So, so tell us a little bit about how you got into this. Like, I mean, you, so, so you didn't you, you stopped at being an engineer, mm-hmm. and so how did how did uh, you kind of get back into the the routine of saying oh, I want to build something, or or even start start that process? How did you opt in? Opt yeah, how did you opt and in yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wasn't even dear. thinking of myself <laughs> when I did
2: this, but um, really, two factors. Um, one, particularly, um, I was trying to solve another problem um, because I was listening to podcasts and things from. Uh, a Stanford professor on uh, n- neurobehavior, and really, what I um, don't bring up a lot to this demographic either side was that um, there's new optical technology that can measure brain development, and there's a great understanding of the brain is of an infant is impacted if they have one primary caregiver for those four four to six first months. Mm-hmm. So the value of that one primary caregiver has an effect on fight or flight response of the infant and all these things that really show up later in life with a lot of our chronic diseases especially in um, so diabetes um, heart disease obesity because their fight or flight is is at a higher level than it would be if they they were responded to well in a uh in, in a, with a primary caregiver. And so I was thinking of that problem and there are solutions and I had studied that, but then I had this aha moment when I was at a women's event kicking off 2015 and what are you gonna do for yourselves? And this woman has been a coach for many of my candidates since she ran the session and in during that session, I, we broke up into twos and threes and fives and came back and presented and there were so many in the women in the room that were highly educated 2015 the question was what are you going to do for yourself you're the visionary for your families your husbands and what are you going to do for yourself this year and many of them were either on one side or the other side of the equation they either um look we're looking on wanted to get back into the role but we're looking on the jobs board and everything was 40 hours plus 25 percent travel and they knew they couldn't pull that off or they were on the other side they have Got, attained a high level of performance in their careers and felt like they were missing out on their children it was their last three years of their children at home and they felt like if they gave up this premier company they'd never get back so a lot of them were driven by fear fear in either direction I could never f- pull this off or and or um, I have to be everything 40 hours you know round the clock for my company um, and I'm missing this so really work-life balance is mm-hmm. at odds with this demographic
0: okay no so 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 you you had that aha moment you came back and you said okay so instead of instead of trying to solve the, the problem of basically nature versus nurture i yeah, guess I, you're yeah, kind of talking it, right you know the first three and, months and so they,
2: it's... just to connect those two and it's kind of i i sought out social enterprise and i was advised by the women's business center mm-hmm. um entrepreneurial center um and my original model was a 3 prong model where um women were able to engage and get that self-actualization by adding value to companies and then the companies would donate to this um the uh, demographic teen unwed mothers that can't be the mother to their mm-hmm. primary 100 yeah. percent of the time and give those services because where that impact is most significant is in that um uh people in uh Poverty or things of that nature, Mm -hmm. so they're at higher risk where those ACE factors have a a significant impact to them. And so really working with um, the Women's Business Center and then also encouraged me to seek out uh, the Social Enterprise Trust Reset. They really gave the advice that um, you really need to – you're solving – Two problems. You're bringing talent to companies that need to broaden mm-hmm. their diversity and retain women into senior roles, and your social enterprises, you have an impact on the socioeconomic value of the women that are returning, and then really we will get to the point where we're profitable to donate in that direction mm-hmm. for that third party.
3: It's not an uncommon problem with benefit companies. <laughs> they're, they're, no, I, <laughs> mean, I mean, there are always uh, people. Uh, generally, when you see benefit corporations, people who are looking to start them make one or one of two either false assumptions or, or, or issues. Number one, they, they either assume that what the company is needs to be something that provides a benefit, and, mm-hmm. it, and it doesn't. The company just needs to have could do a secondary mission, which is a benefit. Um, n- number two, they might say to themselves, "Okay, well then, I you know whatever this company does, I get the specific mission, benefit mission that I need to achieve." But in the first couple of years, it's probably not even a real possibility, mm-hmm. and it's, it, it's building towards that is not a problem. That's something that can be done over time, and and it, it's good that Reset, you know, urged you to go in that direction because y- you don't need to solve all the problems all at once. Mm-hmm. The first step is to get a viable profit for-profit business off the ground. Mm-hmm.
2: Right, and I think that really the. The individuals that we've impacted have impacted significantly in their value to their family and in their value to to the workplace, mm-hmm. and are on that path, that glide slope to their caliber when they're able to contribute more fully.
1: Um, so could we, could you t- uh, maybe give us some examples of uh, individuals? You know, you don't have to say names or anything, but uh, just some examples of individuals you you've helped uh, get back into the workforce. Um, you know, like age ranges or stuff like that. Just. Uh, mm-hmm. Because my, my mom is always, you know, she's always wanted to do more than she's been able to do. You know, she was always the primary breadwinner, but, you know, she's like, oh, I don't have time. Oh, I'm doing this. Oh, I'm doing that. And so maybe I can push her your guys right. So basically <laughs> yeah, he wants definitely. to get his mom more involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I want her to stop complaining and giving me excuses Well, and well do one, <laughs> one great
2: opportunity for her would be a mentor in our organization, but I'll describe that, that role as well. But um, as far as, you know, Candidates have been on on many ends of the spectrum. Our our first one was a a actually PhD in psychology that had worked at Yale and opted out in ten years, but she um, really um, got the bug of um, entrepreneurism and social enterprise, and she was she was volunteering in these roles. And one of our first match, she was working at uh, at uh, Wesleyan mentoring students in their entrepreneurial program. And at the same time, I was at Reset and there was a program manager who was um, headed towards maternity leave. So Mm -hmm. we did a maternity match where um, she fulfilled a program management role and really got to see how the inner workings of a a social enterprise worked and uh, really had a lot of um, benefit from just getting into operational management around that. And now after that, um, maternity match where she fulfilled a role and um, the candidate was able to go on maternity leave um, and she ended up in a uh, COO role at a startup company um, and landed that. And another um, woman that um, we actually have curated at a uh, course for this demographic after doing our customer discovery mm-hmm. of all the candidates and really provide us uh, – a pilot and then we launched it again in the spring with a full bore seven sessions to our course and one woman called and said this course is a dream come true I've been out for 10 years I I don't I haven't done anything and um, really when we probed in our kind of left side of the equation right side of the equation what is your vision what do you want to do in your second stage career and then really prying with into the skills. What skills have you, mm-hmm. you acquired? Either transferable skills from PTO roles or roles where they actually had paid ro- roles. They just were n- more um, event-based or things of that nature um, and really lined up what where this woman could, could go. Um, Then she tested the waters in a flex return, and we matched her with a mentor um, in her field, and you could see when she met with that mentor, um, her eyes opening up of what what angle would be best for her or how she would fulfill this. And then just the other aspect is we do a a class on work-life balance, so understanding what are your – logistical responsibilities that really prevent you from going in one direction or another direction. So when we know them when they're going to take on a flex return, they're best positioned to deliver to the logistics mm-hmm. around that role. And um, she really went from a mini flex return, and then this company um, was ready to offer. Uh, she was in the hospitality and hotel management space educationally, but when she looked at putting a, f- a, a career around that, it was too um conflicting with her children's schedule. And so she ended up going the office management route, and she was um, did a return ramp. So she did 20 hours for a number of weeks, 30 hours for a number of weeks, and 40 hours another a no- number of weeks. So she was able to ramp to a return where she could um, contribute and found that this was a great match for her event planning skills. Mm-hmm. And um, there's there's many others. Um, one particularly that I... And proud of is uh, our current article, this company called and said, we love what you're doing. Um, we see how women can add value after child care. Um, do you have a Ph.D. spectrometrist in your group? And I <laughs> That's said, a very specific and, yes. request. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, actually, I know what a spectrometry is because of my background mm-hmm. in optics. But um, I said, you know... I have a chemical engineer, and I could see that could adding value. And um, they ended up taking her on and under, you know, giving the right training, and she ended up um, doing the flex return and then matriculating into their company. So that's Great. one of our um, – yeah. actually, the company is an amazing company, if I can mention yeah, their yeah, name. Yeah. Um, it's, it's Prism Analytics Technologies, and during their time frame, they were actually um, bought out by another company and now um, in – Uh, Windsor, the R&D base is still here, and the services part was sold to California Company that provides environmental testing. So what they do is environmental testing using optical technologies, um, and it is now Max Analytical Technology in Windsor.
0: Nice, nice. So, so did, uh, did you actually go through the program at Reset? Because, because it seemed yes. because you mm. see, you say the customer discovery, the MVP, yes. obviously the <laughs> I you got know, all you the know exa- exactly another so <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> yeah. Um yes. So, so when did, when did you go through their program?
2: We went from um, January to June of two thousand sixteen. Okay, and then we launched our. Um, had our kickoff in uh, August of 2016.
0: So was that the one that Asarasi was in or was Asarasi before?
2: We were in the one with Asarasi, yes. Okay, all right. So I'm just trying to put the... the, And they actually just um, sponsored our event that we had for client candidates um, dedicating a bunch of Asarasi product for (laughs) us, which was terrific.
0: Yeah, he's a good guy. Nice. Um, so, so how was that process? I mean, uh, was it did you was that something you needed? Was it something that you you reached out kind of to reset, and they said, "Well, listen, we have this program; it looks good." Or, or how'd that go?
2: Yeah, I think that they were. They were, the whole process was terrific. Um, we had a, we were encouraged to attend through um, the Women's Business Center, and we had applied,
1: and. Um, Is that the one, at the University of Hartford? Yep. Okay.
2: <laughs> With Melena Irwin, and um, they. Um, and they're going to be on
1: in a few weeks.
3: Oh, no one is?
1: Yes. Yeah. yes. Oh, so, oh, great. Yeah. So, it's a, just the circles are just keep getting closer. Yes, and, <laughs> and,
2: and a Reset really was a fit, but I really liked, what I liken it to is kind of an MBA for mm-hmm. this time frame mm-hmm. of um, social media and entrepreneurial ventures. So even though I have an MBA, it was really good to go through Steve Blank's course. I'm a major fan of that, and... Um, Really, uh, study this problem with the business model Mm -hmm. canvas. And um, I I think that um, my partner and I, going through it, got a lot of education. And um, the big thing that was a benefit was the networking, you know, really um, getting out there and talking to other companies about your idea and kind of. Everybody knows a candidate that would be a high-value candidate for untapped potential. Mm -hmm. So just being around people from all different parts of Connecticut or even beyond Connecticut and participating in that way, and everybody knows a business that has a potential need, so we were able to grow our potential matches for untapped potentials, flex returns, kind of starting with that point and everybody was cheering for, for us. So, that was so,
0: nice. so it's actually nice to hear that you have an MBA and you're actually validating the fact that like that course is kind of, you know, a, a new MBA, right? It, totally, because, totally. Because, I mean, I, I went to business school and I would never even think about getting an MBA right now. Um, I've done, I've been worked in two startups, I've kind of helped build a business and it's almost like, why would I pay for that when... I'm doing it, kind of. So, so it's like it, it's it's validating because they they say it where you know between going to business school and going to get your MBA, it's like go work at a company or go start a business or, or something, right? Because that's going to give you just as much or more than going back for it.
2: Yeah, and I think that even a, a, even financial evaluation of a business or a startup <laughs> is different from the standpoint of um, you know these uh, platform solutions. Mm-hmm. And with the memberships and the churn and all that stuff it, and how you um, spread costs across um, the company, um, cost of goods sold in yep. this manner, is so, is definitely different than what we learned at Boston University in an MBA.
3: <laughs> so, so let's go back to the company for a moment. What, where are you now? And, you know, what's the status of the company now and, and how is it building out and where are you hoping to go over the next year or two?
2: Um, well, we... Um, are proud of our um, processes around the flex return. We have contracts in place, we have all the um, support systems necessary to scale in a, a bigger way, if you will, um, for um, fleshing out candidates and um, vetting them and um, getting to the point where they are ready to even interview and prepare mm-hmm. for a flex return. That's a whole process that we've developed. Um, and we brought on a flex return Ourselves, we have two flex returners, so we've uh, pulled from our candidate pool an HR recruiter yeah, yeah. as well as <laughs> a uh, financial um, economist doing back office type stuff. Nice. So we're really in a position, and we're actually considering investing more in technology. We did basically our our platform to match the two in a really low cost as the MVP, Mm -hmm. um, presents. And we're, we're actually working with a company to put a quote together for us for what we really found as the, um, pinch points, the points of pain where it we're spending more hours ourselves preparing Mm -hmm. a part of the process. Um, but out of that, our plan is to launch in this fall and we are a cyclical business. We have a fall flex return and a spring flex return. So in our fall flex return, we're kicking off with our, um, event we had last thursday was a celebration for the candidates and bringing mentors in so fulfilling our network so we offer a three-pronged solution to this problem the network solution we develop peers um, mentors and coaches and then the skills portion developing their skills so they're market ready and the real meat of the operation is the uh, experiential engagement the flex returns and the maternity matches and so um, tactically, we're focused on that, the maternity ma- the flex returns and maternity matches. So we will host our client-candidate speed interview in the second week of September. And out of that and the work that we've done through the year, we'll try to match 12 or a dozen candidates with flex returns through the fall. And um, right after that, we will launch our second string of our course. So we'll be preparing people for next spring flex returns with our sure. course that we will start in October. So it's that six-section course that will go in October.
0: Nice, nice. And um, so what type of business, like, do you have a, a, a you know, uh, an avatar for your the businesses that, you, that would be good w- for a flex hire? Like, is it a medium? I mean, are you talking about startups? Or are you talking about, you know, IBM? Like, what type <laughs> of company are you looking for and, and kind of envision using the flex return?
2: Well, I think that um, for companies that... Um, have a goal to increase their uh, gender equity in Mm -hmm. senior roles, we offer um, the flex return to them either one-off or a cohort of women going through their company. And so we've talked with a number of the big um, insurance companies to uh, uh, deliver for them a cohort of women that come in at a certain level and are prepared to launch in their back at their caliber. Mm-hmm. and um, But we've had a number of successes with small businesses. It is really advantageous for a company that isn't ready to take on a full-time employee but um, would benefit from the senior and seasoned experience of a candidate and having them add value in a flexible way. And um, startups, we've definitely had a win with as well where women uh, um, can come in and s- add value right away in a project management perspective or a certain discipline, whether it's marketing finance or, um, even it. Um, and they are able to add 20 hours a week to that and ramp up with the company as the company grows.
0: So, and the, to just clarify the, so the flex time that could be either like project based or is it, um, again, is it like two, two months, a month, three months? Is there, is there a certain time frame to it?
2: Um, our, um, model or our nominal offering is uh, 12 weeks so 3 months and at 20 hours a week but then we've, we've actually ramped that up and down. Some companies said 20 weeks would mirror the, the program that we have and some have had 6 week you know, event driven things mm-hmm. where they are adding value um, for that event in a 6 week basis um, and we've also done project based deliverables and we've even had some sales matches where it's um, it is uh, based on pay for performance. When they make that sale, Basically, they yeah. pay for that pay mm-hmm. on that performance delivery.
0: Um, so the so the, like the uh, the twelve weeks kind of thing is it usually more. Again, when when you're only going to have somebody for twenty hours a week for for three months, right? You're not going to give them kind of. They're not going to get totally ingrained into your business. That mm-hmm. if they left, you know, you're, they're not going to be part of it. So, is it usually always project based, or over that three months they're focusing on a, a, a very narrow problem to solve, and they're br- being brought in as kind of like a hitman, kind of like to, to solve a, a certain thing?
2: Yeah. Um, either either that uh, deliverable base, they're working on a project that needs to be wrapped up or needs to ha- have um, someone delve in at a deeper right. level that they're not able to get with their current staff, um, but the other is uh, really resource-based. If you have a uh, marketing manager and that you um, they're working 80 hours a week, you can bring a former VP of marketing of a fortune 10 company that is able to come in and add value and they can see how they work together but they can offload things as needed and then um really the goal is you know they would ideally be a match for that company moving forward Mm
0: -hmm. okay very very interesting all right so what would you say i mean because you came from the corporate world Mm -hmm. you know now you're into the startup world what would What's going good for Connecticut? And what's what's not going good for Connecticut? Because now you're in it for about a, a year, kind of a you, thing. That's you don't one have of the, to sugarcoat yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> you know. and so and so one of the things about this podcast, obviously, hopefully, some people that are listening can say, "Oh, wow, I could use some untapped potential, right? Yes. I can, I can maybe you know <laughs> use that." <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. And uh, but then other people are just trying to figure, you know, just trying to better the community and and better the ecosystem. So like, what what what? Give us your 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 top. You know, good thing, top bad thing.
2: Well, um. Definitely, I know I probably don't have purview on all the good and all the bad, but I see the investment Connecticut's making in Connecticut Innovations and driving towards um, the bioscience fields as well as um, fintech and things of that nature. And one thing on top Potential tries to be on is when we meet with uh, clients, our business unit managers or CEOs, we try to assess where the needs are in the future. So in this... Um, third prong of our three-prong solution, we're able to deliver the right coursework to the candidates so they'll be um, market ready. And we, we, one thing in our networking thing is we bring candidates to industry events, um, whether they be uh, a tech summit or a uh, data science lunch and learn. So they're out there networking and they're staying abreast in their field, even if they're full-time staying at home with as a mom um and so we try to curate those right courses and the fact that bioscience is growing and we are really working on making sure we have the right um nano degree around data science and around bioscience and making those connections and i think connecticut can be a leader in um in that field as well as a leader in um impact companies Mm -hmm. i mean i think the the hartford as an impact um Community, which is actually the project our um, our flex returner focused on, was um, oh, nice. a summit around the Har- Hartford as an impact city. Um, I think that there's a lot of growth there, and I think it's a win-win for the uh, makeup of the community as well as for um, the businesses as well. Mm-hmm. Sure.
0: So, so we're, we're, we're the negative. What's negative? Um, <laughs> well, Not let you out the hook. yes,
2: no. Um, I I think so that want, want, want. The, f- the 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 Big city big companies leaving the state is a negative and you know the 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 really I think it's a resource problem as well it's when I look at Connecticut it's going to be suffering from the brain drain of the baby boomers retiring and the fact that we can't lure um, college graduates to stay in the city in in mm-hmm. the area so really we look at on top potential as a solution for that we're educating women and they they in As a society, we've invested in their education, K through 12. Mm -hmm. They've already invested in their education um, beyond that, and they have viable experience. They can fill some of those holes if we give them the right uh, engaging opportunities and the right training, right skills.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, And I mean, uh, honestly, when it comes down to, uh, you know, just for for instance, like our company, we're thinking about starting to hire people. And, what you know, one, hiring people is a process, Mm -hmm. obviously, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it's also uh, could be a very expensive, you know, testing bed. Right. Mm -hmm. You're going to bring somebody in. They don't work out and so forth. And one of the things that we have thought about is that, you know, we have to be family friendly and and so Mm -hmm. forth and so on. And so um, I think that there's there's a place for what you do. You're doing, and obviously, I think there's a place for that in the sense of making Connecticut stronger as an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Because again, if there's more, you know, smaller businesses, startups coming, more impact companies coming in that are v- that are very family focused, right? You can attract more people to come to Connecticut because it is cheaper to live. There's still, you know, we're we're right in, in between Boston, and New York. So I, I, you know, thinking about, and again, we're doing it for we're four people right now in my company, but thinking about, you know, going forward, it's like you want to think out. Pretty long term to see if you, if you're going to be that family focused company. I mean, none of us have kids or anything. However, <laughs> you got to think about that, right? Right. So, um, so no, it's it's very interesting. That it's focused on maternity because I mm-hmm. obviously we're three guys. It's, it's <laughs> not a problem that we're necessarily having.
3: But <laughs> so, so wait a yeah. minute. You, you're, what you're saying is your company is not family focused. It's bro focused. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. 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 no, no. Actually, actually, I will. It's I, funny. So I was just <laughs> having this discussion <laughs> with yeah.
1: him last
0: week. Yeah. Well, oh. actually, no. I was going to say is that um, there's I forgot who it was, and maybe Chris, I was talking to you about it. Is that um, one of the bigger companies, one of these you know big tech companies was saying that the, the smartest thing they ever did was hire as many women as they possibly could early on. And that was like a big thing. I mean, we're, again, my company, four guys. Like most, I would say most of the people that have applied for our position, and we're talking about a low-level aquaponic technician kind of position, um, have been women. I think we've only had two guys. Mm-hmm. And we've interviewed like 12, 13 people maybe. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's just very interesting is that a lot more women tend to gravitate towards our kind of a, a business and, you know, kind of, um, so, so, so we definitely value that, that bringing that kind of diversity into a company, but I forgot who it was. And I was trying to think about it early on who, who I, who I heard say that, but, um,
3: but yeah, well, it adds road. to the intelligence of your business and cuts down on the number of Nerf footballs being thrown well, around. yeah, they, <laughs> they <laughs> have razor we, we have, scooters. We actually have razor scooters. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: that's uh, so. I went and visited their space, and I was like, "Really, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I like razor scooters." Yeah, it's, it's, it's faster <laughs> to get to the bathroom. That's all I, really I like them when I was sixteen too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's yeah, when they're from. I'll have to recheck out your place. Yeah. <laughs> so.
1: uh, I. You know, I just to kind of add to what Eric was saying, though, you know, I, I feel like Connecticut is a really good place for untapped potential, too, because it's it's suburbia. We are we are kind of the last bastion of suburbia, really, like as it always was, as we knew it. And, you know, you brought up good points, you know, with baby boomers are retiring. Millennials aren't necessarily coming here, but there's still, you know, there's there's so many people here who may have left the workforce but now they're looking to get back in it and and it really i mean the name says it all untapped potential and it could be a way for connecticut to bridge that gap between figuring out how to to stem the brain drain of the younger generations but still you know really kind of take advantage of you know what we already have here right it's it's not just like you know overnight fix it's it's going to take time and again, looking down the road, what do we have here? Well, we have a lot of really smart people here. They're just not in the workforce. So let's get them in there.
2: Yeah. And I think that um, not just Connecticut, but as a nation, we are going to be facing a global skills gap. So it isn't really just um, bringing women back for the sake of women versus men but really we need that talent we need that talent to grow we need it to be ready market ready and i don't know what the time frame is for that global skills gap but it's not at the expense of men by any yeah. means yeah. but yeah. taking those mm. that and i i clearly I, I still think when i left that first meeting really i thought it's an economic untapped potential that you have this um value that that's not being employed and In my MBA, the one thing we talked about was, you know, from an – as in in the economics course, they said think like an economist, and other countries do um, measure their – plan their workforce better. In uh, Europe, in London, they actually um, plan four to ten years out that you apply to become an architect based on how many architects they predict they're going to need, where we don't do that here. And many of the cycles of recession and inflation are dependent. Some economists believe that they are dependent on um, the lack of being able to train people for the right roles that are growing and get them back into, you know, and you have a glut of one field you don't need. And we've in America, we're, we've often been in that bind where there's a growth field over here and we can't get the people trained fast enough to get there. So here you have this ability to train people in a slower way and get them ready to add value to the marketplace. Meanwhile, they're adding value every hour is a win for these businesses that take on the price point that we have priced untapped potential at for.
3: So I got I to say, I think untapped potential is the perfect name for your company. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a great thing. But, but I think, interestingly enough, it could also be called maximizing potential. Mm-hmm. right? I mean, you're maximizing the potential of these women, but you're also maximizing the potential of the companies that they're going to work
2: with. Exactly. Um, one of the things I presented at our first client candidate event was really the economic value of returning this demographic to the workforce. And if you look at um, their career cycle and that they were on, we, we we vet people and include people that are were on a high slope in their early careers yet opted out, if they participate at a lower level in in retail or or roles that are available to them in a flexible way, they're never going to get back to that -hmm. that point. And if through these mid-career internships, whether they do one in the fall and land or do one in the fall, one in the spring, and then three years from now they're ready to go back and they've kept them up, they can put them at a higher caliber and even a 20K delta in their salary when they return has an impact of the next um twenty to thirty years, about a half a million dollars to them. And if corporations are managing that caliber of talent well, they're making at least forty percent on an hourly wage of that. Mm-hmm. So the impact to the economy and the GDP is significant.
0: Oh, nice, nice. So where can people uh, find untapped potential and how more importantly, how can businesses so uh, I, I guess you more importantly, businesses and the the right. uh, the women that are trying to get back into the workforce?
2: Well, definitely you, the letter U upotential.org and so um, on that website you can find the path for both the candidates and for the business benefits and um, we will be hosting our client candidate uh, speed interview session that includes a uh, educational seminar on returning women to your pipeline and that is uh, in September
3: 12th September
0: 12th where is that
2: Uh, it is uh Currently planned at reset, potentially to be held at a um, big insurance company.
3: Okay. But I'll, I'll hmm. get you those <laughs> on those. Do, do you have a generic email for the uh, company?
2: Um, we have um, fellowship. Fellowship at upotential org is. More the generic yeah, one.
1: We will have all this information on the uh, post when it goes live. Including too. personal phone numbers and social security numbers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> everything. <laughs> all, to, all to to everything, yeah, exactly. All of Dave's information. We're still asking people to harass him constantly. <laughs> <so>. <laughs>
0: yep. still thing. That's great. All right, cool. Well, thank you very much, Candace. Well, it very interesting. Well, thank you for having
2: me and the work you do. It's that That's great to bring this community together and get awareness out like this.
3: It's oh, fun for
0: us, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get to talk to people like you. So
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> Great.
3: Thanks, sir. Right. Thanks.
1: Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com.
0: The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. We would like to thank both Sublime Exposure Online and Martha Kalima for providing resources and space to CT Startup, which
3: make this show possible. See you next week.